All right. Welcome to the second episode of the 100 Day Rebuild. Today we have Brian, another student at the University of Michigan. Mr. BP. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. Yes, this is Brian. He's a... I think I met him freshman year um, in our church. And yeah, Brian has come a long way. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's for sure. (laughs) Lots of changes. I feel like this will be a good one. Good combo. I think today I mainly want to like hear your perspective on like pluralism especially because i feel like you've just been that's kind of been the theme in the past couple of years yeah, yeah that's that's a fair analysis yes it's a gradual change but really kicked off i'd say a few months ago a few months ago oh my so how would you give us like an overview of like how would you how would you define your faith like how did you get here yeah how did you get here oh gosh like a whole journey or tldr tldr okay okay two minutes so i grew up um in a lutheran church super conservative old school everything hymn books you know and then in college i came i thought i was going to go to lutheran church my whole life then in college i came to harvest which is a non-denominational rather charismatic church um definitely a new experience for me and i got super involved way too involved to where i burned myself out um really focused on my own relationship with god you know daily devos time uh, prayer time and uh, reading the bible and everything and then um you know in in at u of m i majored in ancient Middle Eastern religion and Judaic studies. Um, and in, in, in those majors, I focused a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot on early Christianity, ancient Judaism, a little bit of Islam. Uh, so it kind of was a gradual process of me learning more and more about the history, the background of just how religions came to be. Uh, specifically the Abrahamic faiths, but I learned a little bit about, like I took a sociology of religion class, so a little bit about religion at large. And then I'd say this past semester, uh, well, fall semester this year, so twenty fall 2020, I took a class on the parting of ways between Judaism and Christianity. And in that class, for my final essay, I wrote about how salvation kind of shifted from ancient Judaism to Second Temple Judaism, which is like the time of Jesus and a little bit before, a little after, to early Christianity and uh, rabbinic Judaism. So kind of seeing that process, seeing how anti-Semitism was involved in that, and uh, just in general, the, the roots of uh, doctrines like that made helped me to realize I think a lot of things that the a lot of modern Christians just can't really get uh, can't get answers to about like oh what about this this group of people are they saved whatever mm-hmm. so that was fundamental and then in, in like a sh- in the shift and then uh, my sociology religion class I took 
uh, I did a presentation on the Baha'i faith, which is a pluralistic faith or a plural faith, and it sees all of the great religions from the same source being God mm-hmm. and all of their divine educators or messengers, as they call them, uh, sent to teach morality and ways to relate to God. Mm. So coming from that, I think this this past semester and last few months, I've been reflecting more and feeling more like that's kind of my own personal direction, you know, like being more accepting of other religions Mm. or religions in general. Uh, Of course, like within ethical (laughs) means, like uh, satanic worship, I don't know if I could get behind, Mm -hmm. but. (laughs) (laughs) So how, so how do you like, so do you just throw out Christianity? Like, wh- how does Christianity still fit into uh, how you, like, live out your life? Well, that's the question that I'm trying to answer right now. And it will probably take a pretty long time. It'll probably be a lifelong journey of figuring that out. How does Christianity uh, fit? But I will say, I just read a book for another class this it was just a couple weeks ago now, uh, called Acts of Faith by Ibu Patel. And um, he himself is pluralistic. And he uh, talks about his own journey, how he grew up an American Muslim and kind of lost his faith and then rediscovered it actually through having a diversity of friends and girlfriends and mentors of different faiths. And that kind of somehow led him back to his own faith. And Mm. in it, he kind of brings together a few different quotes of uh, spiritual leaders, one of which I remember is Gandhi. But he says, it's important to remember your roots. So Mm. stay within your home tradition, um, but keep the windows of that home open so that Mm. the wind can blow in the oxygen of other traditions. Mm. And I think since hearing that, since reading that, I've opened myself up more to Christianity again. Hmm. Uh, Not in the same way by any means, but as opposed to hesitating towards any Christian thing that I uh, hear or am uh, participating in, or feeling that tension and feeling like I want to reject it, I'm Mm -hmm. trying to open myself up to it Mm -hmm. um, to figure out a way to practice it while still being pluralistic. That's cool. I feel like there's a lot... I feel like that's a very, very hard place to get to for people, especially who maybe grew up in the church and had maybe negative experiences or maybe even just drifted away and don't really identify with a lot of parts of their old faith um mm-hmm. but you know it's it's sort of easy to start you know reject your old faith and come away from it but the hard part is like coming back maybe not completely but recognizing the best parts of your your home your home base so like to you what are your what do you think are the most important parts of christianity that to you and like what do you yeah what what What's the biggest, um, what are the biggest truths that you've found in it? That's a, I think that's a great question and probably one I should reflect on more. So thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say 
when I first started taking it seriously, like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to keep calling myself a Christian, I would think about the gospel message. And there's so many ways that I think that the gospel message can be skewed, but at its core, at its heart, essentially, it's that God loves humanity mm. and that he is he wants to seek and save the lost. Mm. And if you juxtapose it to the other Abrahamic faiths, uh, what Christianity especially um, emphasizes is God's love, his mercy, his, his generosity and graciousness, mm. and his desire to be with people. Mm. And I think that those are things that I really do value. Mm. And I think that it, the world would probably be better if more Christians could really see that that's the main purpose instead of maybe something like figuring out what is good and bad doctrine, what is the, uh, a little discrepancy, is that heresy, uh. um, and really being able to look at just how we're acting in the world we could bring up a whole bunch of different examples about that. Mm. I, I don't know if I personally should lead to that, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, what is your favorite verse in the Bible? And I think we've talked about this before. And I don't know if this is like an ironic question, but yeah, like, what's your what 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 do you resonate with? Yeah, I mean that's definitely something that's changed at different points in my faith, but. Most recently, it would be James 3, I believe, 16 to 17, or 17 to 18, which I will paraphrase because I don't have it perfectly memorized, but it goes something like, but wisdom from above is first peaceable, then kind, gentle, and sincere, uh, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, and a harvest of peace, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I think that I really uh, attached myself to that verse because uh, throughout my whole journey, I think in my college years, something that I've grown to really value is openness and openness to change, openness to other perspectives, really in any way you put it, openness to even changing your own foundations of how you perceive life. And I think that it's really important to pr approach those things with humility and respect and I, I guess like in some ways I'd call that like one of my life philosophies in a way hmm. so all of these things are like very abstract right like 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 <laughs> like it's fun to have these conversations but they definitely like these principles definitely have like real effects in your life right sure so like how has that affected your life and the relationships that you have? Well, like, I know you live with, like, for context, you, you live with people in Harvest, like, people yeah. who are, like, sort of the mainline evangelicals or Christian <laughs> types, if you will, if you will. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely takes some relational finesse work in some, in some cases, uh, like, even with my family back home, I'm still learning how to talk about, uh, I guess, these belief differences at the smallest and spiritual faith changes. Um, 
at, at the biggest maybe life changes really I, I i don't really know how to have all those conversations but i think that more than figuring that out it's for me it's just maintaining those same values like the humility respect and openness um and i mean sometimes like i'll have a conversation and i'll share about how my faith has changed in all these ways how i'm pluralistic and i'll have a christian friend or someone say like oh well they're gonna pray for me and they hope that like i come back to like how i used to relate to jesus and love jesus and everything and you know sometimes it can be like a little too much projecting but i I think that it's more on me if I just take those those times and be like, oh, you just like are being ignorant and not really considering me or something. I think that really what we see in those those people when they're when they're trying to pray for me or they're they're really just wishing me the best and mm -hmm. they're really just showing that they care about me mm -hmm. and I think that that's what i focus on that's how i try to just see really anything i mean it, it would be the same if a muslim said something similar to me it wanted to bless me or something like mm. that's crazy how you see like you directly compared it to if someone from a totally different religion were to pray for you like the fact that you made that kind of job maybe shows like how far you've really come <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, like I said, with reference to the Baha'i faith, it's, if all the religions are from the same source, then it, in the same way that one, that a Christian is worshiping God and trying to relate to God and trying to love God and love people, I'd, I'd imagine that a Muslim or a Jew or a Hindu or whoever is um, trying to do the same thing, worshiping God and loving people. I'm curious to say, did did the book did the did that did they ever define that the same source like like source in particular? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, they just said very generally like the source. They use capital S. That's God. Oh, the like the source. The source, yes. But that would be like, I mean, in the Christian version, you just God. Right. Okay. Interesting. Do you think it matters? Like, aren't these all just words anyway? Like, like calling it God? Calling it God, Wait. calling it the universe or the source or being one with nature versus praying to God. Like, what do you, what do you think is the difference? Well, you're like using a human way to depict something that's like... Beyond. inherently beyond like yeah because we created language yeah. yeah i guess like essentially what language is is symbolism and communication and so calling it one thing or another i think that that just shows different layers of one's own spirituality or religiosity so being like one with nature or something maybe you can maybe that's a way to express someone more specifically, as opposed to being one with God or one with Jesus, as a Christian might say. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, different 
different backgrounds. I guess they can have di- like different subtle meanings to them, mean different things to different people. Right. And I mean, I'm not an expert on every religion or every spirituality. Um, so I, I, of course, there's differences in how people characterize God or the the divine or whatever word you want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, I don't know, it, I feel like it shows more up in people's actions and their lifestyle, their character. Hopefully they're trying to reflect whatever that divine figure is to them. Mm. So when you when it, when everything is so like pluralistic and up for interpretation and you're so open-minded, I feel like the struggle can become like you have no you, like you don't feel as grounded. I and agree with that. Yeah. like there's there isn't as much tr- tradition like as as constricting as tradition can feel sometimes it's also like comforting at the same time right to just have like a routine and a structure that you can just follow so like do you have any of that in your pluralistic new (laughs) worldview and like i'm assuming the answer is no and like how do you deal with that yeah i mean that's this is a great topic because that's real and it can really suck sometimes if i'm being honest (laughs) like just imagine the entire way you viewed the world is just stripped away from you. And then you're just there bare trying to understand things again and, and rebuild the, the building blocks of life, which is a metaphor that I've been told before. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it really does suck sometimes. There's a lot of times that I might miss my, my, the way that my faith used to look or mm-hmm. how I used to feel like I could just be with God, like he, he was there. And maybe I was wrong in those times. Who's, who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't really have some sort of real structure, which is, which is, I think why pluralistic mentors or pluralist mentors say that the home tradition is so important Mm. like you don't have to lose your your pluralist lens Mm -hmm. while practicing in your home tradition Mm. so that doesn't mean that the the time in between that doesn't mean that that unstructured time which i'm in right now (laughs) doesn't mean that it's just fine like (laughs) sometimes the way i think about it is like i just want to figure out how to be happy right now Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be super spiritual or super religious mm. or super structured but you know within morality of course mm. seeking like what makes me happy and how I can still make a difference in the world I'm curious to see like you mentioned that seeing other religions within like reasonable like moral slash ethical standards like where do you draw that line that that's a good question that's one that i haven't had to think enough about yet and i don't know like there's so many different religions or or cults and things like that um from my knowledge the biggest world religions um christianity judaism islam 
Hinduism, Buddhism, um, Mormonism, all of those have similar values. Mm-hmm. It's just what is emphasized the most. So, again, I'll talk about the Abrahamic faiths because that's what I've done uh, the most thinking and, and research in. But Judaism focuses a lot about doing the right thing kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And the, God is merciful still, but, there, but humans always have to, you know, do something to n- not earn it, but to prove that they are remorseful for their sin or something mm-hmm. like that. And then God pardons sin or whatever. Uh, Islam is all about submission. Submit to God's will. Submit to God at large. And at the same time, God is generous and merciful still. Um, and there's right and wrong in life and everything. But it's, it's I mean, is Islam the, the word or Muslim that means to submit? So... I guess I'm going on a tangent a bit, but the point is just when when there's a, when you can just look at the the main values or emphases of a religion and and see what they really care about. I think that's what shows me uh, if like this is I don't know I wouldn't I, I don't want to put a label of a good religion yeah, or anything, but if they're if the intention is well, like so. What I'm noticing is that, like, the way you describe it, like, every religion has the structure is, like, oh, like, the, the core is, like, a, the human meets God, strives upward to meet God in the middle somewhere, and then God will come down and bless or do good. Well, there's also, like, if you think about Buddhism more, it's a little bit more separate from that, and then there's people that practice Buddhism as a philosophy rather than a religion, um, but essentially that, to my knowledge, is about kindness and hmm. being a good person okay. to the people around you. Um, and it, it's not so much focused on connecting with God or the divine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I can't give you like specific, like, this would be a marker of a, a bad religion or something okay. besides <laughs> things that anyone would think is just a just evil like murder or Lil Nas X's latest music video (laughs) Montero call me by your name (laughs) here we go (laughs) you want to talk about this Ryan (laughs) we can talk about this (laughs) we cut this out too if we want (laughs) so I I mean I'm, I'm not going to try to discredit people's personal beliefs but this can be an example of ways that i I'd, I'd like to say overall good religions are, are can can falter so in the Mon- in montero Lil nas x talks about well it, it it's about how he ha- he had a bad experience with church growing up because they didn't they judged him for being gay and didn't accept him because of that and um, I think that that's something, hopefully, the church will continue to try to understand more, which is, I feel like, at the heart of it, because it's, in my opinion, it's too much of a 
literal take of the Bible and not really much of an understanding of what goes into the Bible or, or the context really mm-hmm. at all. Um, which when you do talk about those things, it's really not a straightforward, oh, all homosexuality is evil or an abomination. It's, there's, there's other things about society, like the social hierarchy and how all men were at the top of the social hierarchy as subjects in a homosocial world. And then women are objects in that world. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're this tier lower you never, you never see a verse that a woman shall not lie with a woman as a man, as mm. with a man. It's a man shall not lie with a man as with a woman. And why that's the prob- a problem is because men are supposed to both, in that, in that relationship, men are supposed to both be subjects in the social structure. So if one is penetrating another, if one man's penetrating another, that's some sign of submission, some sign of being the object so that's where the big problem is and it, they just can't right it has to so be. that's why it's bad oh, not because never homosexuality seen is never seen it something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's it's not because like at least in that verse in particular it's not because homosexuality is just like contrary to nature or just against how god intended things like there's so much more to the story that I think oftentimes, especially the conservative church, doesn't recognize. Mm-hmm. Or the literal, literally interpreting Christians just don't, that they miss. And, you know, sometimes I can see, like, real hatred and anger in those people. And other times, you know, it's just they don't understand. They, they don't. Not everyone went to college to learn about biblical studies for four years. So it's hard because you can't expect everyone to pick up on those kinds of things. But how I see it is I really hate it when the name of God is used to spread hate. When all God is about, especially if you look at the Christian uh, framework, all Mm -hmm. that God is about is love. Even if it's like a kind of righteous hate, per like if if you will, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the problem is you're you're calling an identity a sin. You're calling someone in and of themselves a sin, and you can't you can't redeem that. There's no way to go a, like about that where you can approach that kind of conversation is like, oh, I'm a righteous person rebuking you for your sin. It's, oh, I'm a person that thinks that you in and of yourself are sin or evil, or you shouldn't be that. And, uh, like, it's one thing if it's something that someone develops, like, as a character trait. Like, oh, they're lazy all the time, Mm -hmm. and, I don't know, don't do the work, or keep losing jobs because they don't want to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, those are things, I'd say, of course, with understanding and compassion, but those are things that you can go to and be like, hey, let's work on this. You can't go to someone who's who's gay and be like, hey, let's work on making you more straight. Because it's like, hey, let's work on making you someone who, you, who you're not. <laughs> so how do you deal with these people? Like, not not just the gay issue, but, like, everything in general. Like, 
people who are kind of in this way of thinking where it's all or nothing, you know, but like sola scriptura, not to be too theological about this, but like, you know, people who, I guess, because it's not like Jason and I are like personally affected by this. Like we're not a member of any particularly oppressed group, but just like interacting with people who like hold these views is hard and when you say like it's good to hold on to your to your like home home based tradition like your home religion mm-hmm. like i get that and i i crave that like I, I i crave that like that community but then like i go back to the community and then people are like why do you care so much about politics and social justice like you should just you should just like trust god i'm like oh my gosh like i want to love you but it's so hard i mean yeah that can be a very uh it takes a lot more effort from this side to maintain a a relationship or a spot in a community like that um so I don't know, I don't think that the answer is to go back to the same exact community. Mm, right, if, right. if if you look at uh, the United Methodist Church, they actually, I think recently they just split because um, a large amount of the church wants to, or the denomination, wants to keep being more and more progressive, mm. accepting women pastors, accepting gay people in church, things like that, um, and not calling those kinds of... Uh, being a gay person is sin or anything like that mm-hmm. so there are christian communities where you can be uh, just honest about mm-hmm. things like this or about social justice like you were saying and mm-hmm. instead of the idea of oh you just got to trust god and pray and then that's it like <laughs> there was something i wanted to say uh, on that i don't know if i'm gonna remember it Okay. Oh, I remember. Okay. <laughs> so, in, in uh, social justice, actually, we talk about it. The greatest position to change something, an organization, or, or anything, a structure, is from within it. So, there is, I think, a balance. You know, if you see ways that your own home tradition needs a little work, mm-hmm. then you can't it's very hard you're very limited if you're just trying to speak from outside telling someone telling this huge organization hey you need to change these things because mm-hmm. naturally humans tend to respect people when they're within unfortunately when they're within whatever their their group or their framework is when they have the same or similar beliefs mm-hmm. and otherwise like there's religion often tends to vilify other religions atheism Mm -hmm. whatever they're just so bad don't listen to them Mm -hmm. we have the right doctrine so Mm -hmm. that's like when you said like the best way to change something from within like I, i mean i can get into the theory of change like for hours but i'm just thinking like in practice it sounds you know on paper it sounds like Oh, yeah, absolutely. But in practice, it feels like it was really difficult. I mean, you even look at the example of Jesus when it comes to, like, how he went up against the big power structure and look what happened to him. Like, 
you know, like that's a great point. Yeah, it's not it's not an easy thing. It's not just something you decide, ah, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> but it's um I think it's your own personal decision and journey. Like if you're just starting to like realize different ways that your own home tradition and religion is fault is faulty and mm-hmm. different ways that it could be oppressive in the world, things like that. Or just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> not to point fingers at anything right now but um if you're if you're just starting there you probably don't want to go straight from through your moment of realization with that to being like i'm going to change this whole thing hmm. because i think that you yourself will need time to heal time to process and learn to still appreciate and respect something that isn't perfect mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be not that religion really is supposed to be perfect but if you're trying to reflect god you know <laughs> yeah that makes sense and, and to your point like that it takes time for you to really figure out mm-hmm. things yourself like i find myself when i see something wrong I, I i call it out and i spend time like in debate you know criticizing or like going back and forth but i realize at the end of the day it's like they actually asked me to like give sort of like a substantial alternative. Like I find myself not standing on mm. much yeah. compared to, you know, the tradition, the, 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 the norm. Yeah. I mean, you're working with maybe, maybe a couple years of personal thought versus a two century old religion <laughs> or not two century, two millennium old religion. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah, it's not something that you can just think of alternatives for overnight, which is probably why a lot of people uh, think that the home, or I shouldn't say a lot of people, but interfaith or pluralist spiritual leaders think that it's important to keep your home tradition in some capacity. Because, I mean, unless you want to start a new religion, which doesn't really start from at least from what i've learned about doesn't really start from just a a small group of people being like hey we want to like guys let's start a cult (laughs) exactly wait if you were (laughs) to start your own religion from scratch you just have this source what would you do i'm putting you on the spot (laughs) well this is what i was just about to say is there is some sort of a spiritual awakening some sort of like the Baha'i faith says, a divine messenger, educator, someone who is, to use a Christian and Jewish term, anointed by God in some form. So, and, and, you know, that could be like, not right now, but later on in life, someone Mm -hmm. would be like, oh, actually, God has called me to do this. And that's why things like Mormonism, I don't know much about, but I choose to respect it because I think that something like that can happen. Hmm. So personally, I I wouldn't start my own religion. <laughs> it would rather rather than that, it'd probably be my individual spirituality. And maybe if I have some like-minded friends around me, we can do stuff together. But at least right now, that's not the plan. That's <laughs> a reasonable. About that's that. a reasonable take. I think people who start religions are. I don't know. You have to be a little bit, a little bit crazy. <laughs> well, you're kind of on the next 
spiritual plane in some capacity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. After this, after this plane lands, this is where we're getting to a connecting point, huh? <laughs> Different kind of plane, <laughs> <laughs> like the next level. Yeah, that's like it's sort of intimidating when you put it like, oh, like your your two years of reflection does not compare to the many centuries of people um, who've created and perf- and refined this religion over time. But at the same time, it's almost like freeing a little bit too, because it's like, oh, it's okay. Like I don't have to have an airtight argument. Yeah, I guess that's, that's true. true. You can put a dent in it. And that's that's an achievement. I feel like right. Yeah, and you can just you can just be like, you know, I I don't need to fight this. Like I can just. I don't need to change the world. I don't need to change everyone's opinion. Like, just kind of, like, work on yourself first and figure, rebuild, do yourself out. Yeah. And I will say, well, that's actually, I think, a good way to look at it. But I'll also say there's a term uh, called constructive theology. And basically what that means is creating theology that's new, that's adding to the picture. And that's um, in contrast to something I I forgot the specific term, but uh, the kind of theology that is just trying to understand what's already been said more. Mm. So like taking like a like a floor and putting it together as you construct your building by yourself that someone else has made. If, well, if I'm, ex- I'm just extending. Yeah, yeah. Floor. I mean, you could be adding a. You could be designing the whole floor or adding to the building in some way, but it, it constructive theology. You're supposed to still have that building, which in this case would be Christianity for us, I guess. It's sort of like I like that a lot because it's sort of like a pushback or like a counter argument to, the, the people who say, oh, but you're just you're like all this stuff is new and it's too it's too risky it's too progressive it's you know there's it's not rooted in anything and what you're saying is no it's constructive theology it's actually going backwards in time looking back to the traditions and building on that it's not a completely new scary thing right yeah i I mean yes and no probably like some things I would say are constructive theology. Other things maybe are contrary to Christianity mm. in some ways. Sure, sure. Like, so uh, a, princip- a principle in Christianity, one of the most important doctrines is, in evangelical Christianity at least, is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So there's one path to salvation. So, um, that kind of thing, if you're pluralist, just, you don't agree with. So, Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's other things that you can build off of Christianity and some things that would be, you know, contrary. Or, or you just have to find the niche in Christianity, in Christianity, different denomination or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, Jesus is not like he the way you see it, it's like he is my way. And like I might acknowledge that like there might be other ways, but like I mean he is like 
at least my own truth. Yeah, I mean, I think I've heard it a couple different ways, but that's that's one way I've heard where it's like personal salvation as opposed to like global salvation, which it's like the idea of universal universalism. There's a there's a lot of different ways that this can come into play, but for Christianity, salvation is offered to all but not everyone gets it you have like you have to believe in jesus for judaism for example or at least ancient judaism i i i'm assuming that modern judaism is similar but salvation is for the righteous which technically mean doesn't mean someone who's perfect or rather i think generally abiding by god's law mm-hmm. and there's a proverb that says a righteous man falls down six times and gets back up. He falls down with seven and gets back up again. Mm-hmm. So it's not about never failing. It's about what you do after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, well, sorry, my point, ancient Judaism, the idea of salvation, everyone can be saved. You don't even have to be a Jew. Mm-hmm. There's a different, so for Jews, there's the Mosaic Torah the law, the Ten Commandments, Leviticus, everything, you have to follow that. For everyone else, the Gentiles, there's the natural law, Mm -hmm. or the Noahide covenant, which, you know, in the story of the flood, Noah and his family is supposed to be, everyone comes, everyone in the world comes from that family, Mm -hmm. because they're supposed to be the only people left. And God makes the covenant with all of humanity at that point. Mm -hmm. And it's, he, God won't ever flood the world like that again, but humans need to, um, basically the big things that everyone will talk about, like don't murder, don't steal. I think he talks about sexual immorality, um, or don't commit adultery and, uh, things like that, you know, the generally how humans can see this is good or bad. Mm-hmm. So everyone else, Gentiles just have to follow that. If they do that and are judged righteous, they could be saved. Oh, that's just to say, sorry, another tangent. But, uh, the, the idea of uh, universalism and how that can play out different ways. It's like crazy how like you hearing you talk about all of these different like ways of belief and systems of belief and systems within these systems like Mm -hmm. it's like for centuries now like it feels like humans like are like the human race is trying to perfect the way and iterate on the way to like best connect with god to be one with god to have a relationship or to seek that kind of salvation but you'd think if there were sort of only one true way then we we should have gotten figured it out And we should just, like, it should have been, like, really simple and, like, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, you'd think if God... Because we're, try- we're all, everyone's trying, clearly. Like, the effort's yeah. there, you know. You'd, you'd think if God is perfect, if he's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, uh, omnipresent, like, he should be able to direct something like that, where everyone's practicing, like, the same religion and can all relate to God perfectly and love people perfectly. But I think that that argument would get pushed back about 
oh, well, humans are still humans. Yeah. We have ability to do good and evil. And we certainly don't always choose the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... It, I, I feel like it still is worth bringing up because there's... I think that there's only so much we can attribute to God. There's only so much we can know about God. Mm-hmm. And when you put those big words like that I just did, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omnibenevolent, all of that, um, that when you're doing that and you're putting it within your own framework or tradition, that, just doing that, if you believe that, it should give credit to everything else the religion says. Because if God is like that, he should be able to do it. And that's why I hesitate, I think, to put those kinds of labels on God. Hmm. Um, Maybe, at least right now, the best way for me to understand him is that he's mysterious. Or I I shouldn't even say him. That's a whole other problem. (laughs) I'm saying I'm using the pronoun him. Which yeah, who knows? It's a whole other conversation, but yeah, the divine. We'll leave it at. The 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 divine is very mysterious. Maybe. Maybe that's a good point to end on. <laughs> the divine Fair enough. is mysterious. Yeah, it's like it's like taking like God meets people where they are, just taking it to like a whole new level. Yeah, I mean, if. If the Baha'i faith is correct, God met people in so many different fashions through so many different people and philosophies and everything in different religions at different points in history. So, a God that's bigger than just one religion. Wow. Because the Christian, Christian faith wants to say God is bigger than all of these things, but they still want to corner him. Corner oh. God into their own corners. What so. a paradox. <laughs> Wait, light bulb moment. Dang. Good one, Jason. That's going to become a tweet. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, wow. Good combo, Brian. Is there yeah. any, like, um, I like to ask this question because I feel like it helps um, the type of person who would listen to this. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to hear what you would say to someone who, um, you know, is just trying to figure it out. Just any, any last parting advice. Like kind of some religious background is questioning a little bit, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess like through the hardship for myself is what led me to that verse that we talked about before in James, like be open and be humble enough to know, Maybe you don't have it all figured out, and maybe even the tradition you grew up in doesn't have it figured out, or the, your lack of tradition if you're atheist and be like exploring religion. Mm. So be open, allow yourself the time it takes to process through these things. I know for myself, like sometimes taking courses, like you don't get a break, you keep getting new material, and that can be tough, mm. but. It's not as scary as it looks, mm. and I think stick with it. Um, it's not always a happy experience, you know. Losing it's kind of like losing a part of yourself. 
but mm. sometimes that's what you gotta do to find more of yourself. Ooh. Another tweet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Uh, yeah, Good of on. course. Thanks for having me. <laughs>